0: Hey guys, welcome to the Rare Sense Podcast. This is Chris Irwin. Today's episode is a little bit different than the normal interviews I give or even the audio versions of my articles that I put out. This is a rebroadcast from the O2X Tactical Performance Podcast from December 7th of last year. This is an interview that I gave on their podcast. I wanted to rebroadcast a portion of that interview here because I'm talking specifically about my mental health and chronic illness problems and getting into detail of what that was like for me and the things that I learned along the way and discovered and why I've put together the Rare Sense content that I put out and hopefully how it can be helpful to others. This is really about 30 minutes of getting into the details of what I went through for about 10 years or so. So hopefully it's something that you find useful. The entire interview, if you go to the O2X Tactical Performance Podcast, is about an hour, maybe a little bit less than that, 50 minutes. I cut off about the first 20 minutes or so, just because that portion of it isn't really relevant to the content that I put out. So if you want to hear that piece, then I encourage you to go over to their episode of the podcast, and I'll put a link to that in the description here. But like I said, the stuff that I'm putting in this rebroadcast is specifically about my mental health issues and how I sought to address those and chronic illness as well. My intent with sharing something like that is to show other people what it's like to go through these types of things. And hopefully that resonates with folks. It's one thing to sort of say, hey, you're not alone out there, but to really demonstrate it like this is what I actually went through I think is beneficial, and that's one of the reasons why I started doing this. You'll also hear a little bit in there on my personal philosophy about being a veteran with a public voice and what content I'm comfortable putting out and what content I'm not for my purposes I feel like any of the real details of my time in the military shouldn't be shared. I don't feel like I really own those details and I don't feel like it's Something that I should divulge publicly. However, as you'll hear in my comments, I feel like the veteran experience is completely different. And it's something that needs to be talked about because part of the problem is we're not sharing it enough. We're not being open and vulnerable. And the only way we're going to get past some of these issues is by discussing it. And that's what it takes. So, I think that's enough in terms of an intro. Uh, I do appreciate the guys over at O2X allowing me to be on their podcast and putting the information out there. I had a great time. Anyway, I hope it's beneficial to hear this. Here you go.
1: now have recently started your new project, Rare Sense. So if you don't mind, I'm going to take a second here and read a bit from the RareSense website to give people a little bit of a... Sure. insight on what exactly this is so you say after my time in the military i struggled with severe anxiety to the point that it caused debilitating physical symptoms at times then in 2016 an acute mold exposure sent my health off a cliff overnight suddenly my body was constantly racked in pain i was dizzy at times and could no longer concentrate i suffered from tremors vision problems ringing in my ears and a slew of other terrifying sensations so i'm going to pause there real quick when did the anxiety struggles start after the military. Right as I
0: got out of the military. Yeah. The reason I started doing the rare sense stuff was because I'd had so many problems in this arena and I was afraid to talk about it. And I think a lot of people are afraid to talk about it. They feel like they should sort of suffer in silence because like that's sort of the the background you come from. And that makes sense in context of certain jobs, whether it's the military or firefighting or whatever it may be. You have to push through physical barriers to accomplish the job. That's really important. But it wasn't a good thing to do once I was dealing with this stuff. Once I was dealing with severe mental health problems, suffering in silence is a really bad idea. And I didn't kind of get that. It took me a long time to publicly start talking about this stuff. But once I did, I was actually amazed by how much support I got for it, how much support there were from other people, whether they're veterans or not, just saying like, keep talking about this stuff. It's important. My thing is, I don't feel like I should talk about my time in the military just because it's not appropriate in my estimation. But what I realized was the time after my time in the military is totally different. That is something that does need to be discussed because it can potentially help other people that are in that situation. And we see these trends out there with mental health now, not just amongst sort of the veteran population, but just in general, where you know we need some other answers because the trends aren't going in the right direction. And I just want to kind of break the stigma a little bit of being able to talk about this stuff.
1: I think progress is made here when people with your credentials come out and say that I'd struggle with these issues. I know you don't want to talk about your military career or anything like that, but just take you know a bird's eye view, look at the bio itself. It's very impressive. And so when people with your accolades come out and say, hey, I deal with these issues, that leads to other people having a comfort level in talking about them. And so why do you think it happened after the military as opposed to when you were in the military dealing with like these really high stress situations?
0: I don't know. I mean, I think some of it was just sort of a overtime thing. Part of the whole Rare Sense idea is that mental fitness, what I call mind fitness, is just like physical fitness. It's a discipline that you have to commit to every day. And the changes are slow. This isn't something that happens overnight. We sort of think that. And the reality is, yeah, I can change the way I think in the moment. But in terms of establishing sort of patterns of behavior, it's taken me 47 years to act the way I do now, right? That is an an amalgamation, conglomeration of 47 years of behavior that creates subconscious patterns that is what constitutes me. So if those are sort of maladapted, well, it's going to take some work and some time to change those things. We all get that with physical fitness. If I'm out of shape, especially if I'm severely out of shape, I can't go in the gym once and be like, hey, fix the problem. Now I'm in shape. That's not how it works. I got to start today and I got to do it again tomorrow and the next day and over and over and over again. And there's going to be days where I don't feel great. There's going to be days where I'm sore. But it's like this slow progression of over time, I can really improve my fitness. I mean, and somebody can go from a few hundred pounds overweight or whatever to like running a marathon if they put in the effort, but it's a discipline and you have to be patient about it. But we just don't think of our mental health in that way. That's the way it works. We have to think of it in that way. So to kind of get to your point yeah, I just like, look, for me personally, it was a situation where I had just kind of regrets where I, I thought I hadn't measured up in certain ways in my career. It bothered me that that I was still around, and there were other guys that were not. And that didn't feel fair to me as much as I'm not really a big believer in sort of cause everything happens for a reason or cosmic justice or something like that. It just felt like something's off. You know, I don't deserve to be here, kind of feeling whether you want to call that survivor's guilt or whatever. And so for me, that kind of morphed into this idea of, well, something's got to be wrong then, right? Like something's eventually got to take me out here somehow. So it's almost like I went searching for it. And for me, it was like little things I would feel in my body, which we all feel like we're, we're sitting here and you get a little stabbing pain somewhere. Like, you know, you ever had this thing where for no reason all of a sudden your ears go, wee. Like you hear this like weird high-pitched thing for no reason. And people just go, whatever. No. I use that as a, okay, that's the beginning of some kind of terminal diagnosis type of thing. That's where my mind went. I didn't know at the time, but once you start doing that, it snowballs on itself, that response. So if you feel something like that, if instead of what you should do but most of the time, right? I mean, certainly if you have a, a severe condition, that's one thing, but 99.9% of the time, that's not the case. If instead of sort of gaffing it off and saying, yeah, it's nothing, you go, ooh, what's that? And turn it into a fear, turn it into something you worry about. What that does is actually ramp up your limbic system, your fight or flight system. And I think this is part of the reason why I think this applies to veterans is you already sort of have lived in this hypervigilant state for a very long time, right? You're telling your body that you're in danger. And what that does is then create that those sensations get worse because that's what your fight or flight system does right. It like sends adrenaline places and it narrows your focus and it takes blood away even from some of your vital functions, like your digestion. Cause you don't need to worry about that when you're like literally in a life threatening situation. And so when it makes those symptoms worse, then if your response is to be afraid of it, then it makes you're more afraid of it. That makes that and, like, it just goes down this cycle and like you can get really screwed up physically from this, from that. And then in turn you you're just a mess, right? Like you're mentally and physically completely just in shambles.
1: Can I pause you there? Because because yeah. to talk about the physical aspect of this, the acute mold exposure that sent your health over a cliff, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. My next door neighbor in my apartment building had an acute mold exposure and it caused partial face paralysis. It's like, yeah. no jo- it's like no joke, yeah. which is something I'd never even heard about until I met her. So what happened?
0: Yeah. So for me, it was in 2016, we were living in Georgia and I went out and I was pressure washing our driveway. Like it was just, we owned a home. It was built in the fifties. I don't know when the driveway was built or when it was cleaned last, but it just had kind of like sludge all over it. Right. Like it was just dirty. It was a concrete driveway, not asphalt. Right. And it was, it should be sort of a light gray color when it was a very, very dark gray color. So I rented a pressure washer from Home Depot and I was just blasting the stuff off, whatever it was. Again, not thinking of any health risk whatsoever. And I wasn't using chemicals, just water out of the hose. And then we had sort of a, not a detached shed, but there was a piece of the house where there was an enclosed outdoor space that was a shed with concrete walls. And I went in there and I was like, Oh, well, let me just do the walls in here too. So I went in very small space again, no health risk. And then I went to work the next day. This was at Killcliffe and I was just like, I couldn't concentrate. I felt super weird. It's like someone had taken cement and just poured it into my head. The way I describe it is like, imagine being drunk without any of the joy of being drunk, but just like the sort of, Right. Sounds miserable. Yeah. It's like, so all the dizziness and sort of lack of cognitive ability, all of that. And then add on top of that, all the pain of being really hungover. And it was like that kind of feeling. And so my marketing guy was like, You don't look very good. And I was like, Yeah, I really feel weird. And I went home and took a nap. Again, didn't think much of it. It was like, I don't know, I'm coming down with something. The next day, it was like, I still felt that way. And it just never went away. And I would get these lightning bolt sensations in my head where it literally felt like a bolt of lightning would go through my head. And like the back of my head would just be super tight. Like someone had a vice on it. And I'd try to read stuff like an email and I'd be like reading it five times. And I, I couldn't comprehend what it was saying and all sorts of other stuff. So actually my first thought was, hmm, I think this is the like, you know, that stuff's kind of rearing its ugly head. So I went back to some of the tools that I had used there and they didn't work or they didn't work entirely. Did TBIs ever come? to? I know that's really common. Uh, in your community. Not until happen? later, but that being said, I mean, I've had MRIs of my head that don't really show
1: anything. Wow. So, okay, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, is that a possibility still? Because like, look, there are things, as far as I know, there's still... Things that can't be detected. They're getting to the point where they can be, but they they couldn't be detected. Like interface astroglial scarring, which is kind of like blast type TBI. Up until now, at least couldn't be shown on an MRI, but I think that's changing. Anyway, is it possible that's in there? Yeah, that's possible.
1: What was so I interesting? I just meant like, was that something that was crossing your mind at the time?
0: Oh no. You know what? At the time, no. No. I mean, this was 2016. I really wasn't. And the thing was, I could draw a line in the sand as to when it had happened, right? I was like, okay. I started feeling this way on this day. What did I do right before that? And it was like, there was a pretty clear event, right? So I was like, well, what did I do there? What happened? First of all, I went to my doctor, my like kind of regular primary care provider. And they were like, we ran blood work on me, sort of standard stuff. And they did a Western blot for Lyme disease, which as it turns out, I may actually have had. I think that's a contributing factor. That was a nice surprise. Yeah. I mean, like I could talk about this chronic illness stuff for a really long time. So like I went to the, the primary care provider and they were like, well, all your blood work looks good. Like you don't have Lyme disease. Like, and then she's like, well, you know, it's probably just stress. It's just, you know, diet and exercise. And I'm like, do I look like somebody who's got a problem with diet and exercise? And not to mention, it was like all my blood work was basically perfect. So I'm like, well, you just said that all my blood works good. So how can you say that I'm not like I'm out of shape or something, right? It just didn't make sense. I was having all this pressure in my head, all this problems. So they did a sinus x-ray and they're like, man, eh, your sinuses look good. Like, we'll send you to a neurologist. Okay. i go to a neurologist and they did a CT scan, you know, and that's, boy, if you want to talk about like anxiety, you're <laughs> like right, when you're yeah. for the results of the CT scan. It's like waiting for, yeah, you have a giant brain tumor or something like that. But they're like, no. No, no tumors look fine. And so I'd looked up stuff. In the meantime, I'd gone to Dr. Google, which is not necessarily the best idea. And I was like, I think I, this is a mold exposure. Never heard of before that. Didn't know there was any risk, but it was like, okay, people suffer from this chronic inflammatory response syndrome, this kind of mold triggered thing. And the neurologist said, nah, it's not that. Like mold can't hurt you. And I was like, well, what's, what is it? Do you think that? And he just, mm, I don't know. I was like, what am I doing? What is this system? At some point I veered off from sort of conventional medicine because it just wasn't giving me any answers and it didn't even make sense either. Like the, just, you know, I was getting nonsense from people. This could be like a four hour conversation of everything I learned here, but let me sort of summarize where this went for me in the long term. One is that there was absolutely a mind connection to this. Like it wasn't purely a physical thing. Two is that for, in my estimation, And I went on to do a ton of treatments, alternative therapies, you name it. In my estimation, the mold was a trigger. It was a cause, but it was a cause. And a lot of times, what we look for, we look for single source problems. It's like if you're sick, you have a virus, and we give you a medication, and that kills the virus or bacteria or whatever it is, and you're good to go. Chronic illness is a different animal, it's not a sole source, in my opinion. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. But in my opinion, it's not a sole source problem. It is a multifaceted issue. And the way I think of it is, you think of your body like a Jenga puzzle. You know what I'm talking about? Like the thing where you like stack up all these blocks and you and somebody or multiple people, you're pulling them out until the thing falls over, right? Well, so like a newly minted human is like a fully constructed Jenga puzzle. And over time, blocks get pulled out in various ways. And that could be Mental trauma, emotional trauma, that could be extended hypervigilance and anxiety disorders. It can be bacteria, like a Lyme disease, right? Like there's chronic strain on your body, mold exposure. So like all these things over time get pulled out. And I think I was just at that point where I had these other things. Like it turns out probably I had Lyme disease too but it hadn't affected me yet because my system was still holding together. But the mold exposure was like that last piece that got pulled out. And then the the thing fell over. The trick then is trying to get back to normal is it's not as simple as just, it's like, okay, I put the one piece back on. It's like, yeah, but I don't feel good at, I still don't feel right. It's like, well, yeah, you the whole system collapsed. You have to like really work to build it all up. And again, there's a whole mind component to this too. That I had kind of primed myself to be triggered, so to speak, through these things because of the, what, what I'd done with my mind,
1: too. You continue on the website. saying, it took me over five years, but I finally overcame this condition through sheer determination. Ten years. to
0: <laughs> ten, <laughs> ten years. I mean, the, oh, the okay. chronic yeah. illness, yeah, like the specific chronic illness thing, yeah, it was about five, yeah, such
1: gotcha. through sheer determination to figure it out, which. In the process became my personal mantra. Over the course of that journey, I saw dozens of practitioners, ingested thousands of supplements, amassed hundreds of pages of lab results, read countless books, and tried all sorts of unorthodox treatments. Some of it helped a little, but the biggest breakthrough, even from chronic illness perspective, came after I started examining my own mind, when I began to understand how it was the source of the majority of my problems and how I could make it the source of the solution. So talk me through the treatments and stuff that you tried, like what, what tried and failed.
0: I don't want to say anything failed. Any of it can be helpful. So look, I've taken a gazillion supplements. I can't even list the amount of supplements that I've done. Medications. I've done hyperbaric oxygen. I've done some, some of it I don't even want to get into, but like I've, Pretty much, if it's out there, like I've done it, I've done ozone therapy, I've done UV light stuff where it's like they pull your blood out and send it through UV light and push it back into you. I've done what was that? They put it back into you? It's like a UV light therapy. So the idea is like it's killing stuff that's in your blood, just like the way you have a UV light filter on your house for water. It's the same idea. You're literally pulling your blood out of you <laughs> through a and then push it back into you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, it doesn't help when you have anxiety as well. Like trying these things
1: that are sort of scary. That's what, that, well, that's what I was going to ask. Like that almost feels like it would increase the problem, right? Well, like, all this like experimental yeah, stuff. Well,
0: right. That is the situation. Right. The trick is if you're going to go down that road, and again, I don't, I'm not recommending any of this stuff, but. What I did find is if I was gonna try a treatment, I had to go all in on it. I had to be like, one, I had to be smart about it. So it's like trying to do as much research as possible. And that can be tricky these days because like you don't know who to trust and when it comes to quote unquote research and you don't, I mean, it's really hard I think to navigate the landscape of information out there.
1: I sustained a spinal cord injury in 2016 so i've i've been down this road like the amount of things that get thrown at you right like you get into my situation where you're quadriplegic and it's like okay what avenue do i go down and there's thousands i've done whatever the acupuncture fucking just anything that you can possibly think of i've done the research on it's like and like anything that you can really think of and at a certain point you hit call it an end of a road. And you're like, man, this is almost like information overload. And it kind of becomes one of those things where you don't know which avenue to go down because there's so many different things that are being thrown at you at once. So was there like, a, what did the end game look like here? where did you start to see progress?
0: Well, and that is the trick. Again, it's, I think we expect a aha, like that fixed me. And the reality is it's like, it's all of it put together. It's just, again, it's, it's slowly putting blocks back up on this Jenga thing. One thing I will say though, is that again, like my attitude throughout the whole thing. And and by the way, I I will say too, this is something I still work on sort of like a recovering alcoholic, right? Like they never say, as far as I know, never say like, I'm a recovered or I was an alcoholic. It's they use that term recovering. It's like, this is a ongoing thing that I'm going to have to deal with forever. And our mental fitness is that way as well. We can be proactive about it and we can get ahead of the game, which is what we should do, which we don't do. And that's kind of part of the reason why I'm talking about this stuff. Or we can be reactive like I had to be, which is I didn't have any tools to deal with this stuff. I didn't know how to meditate. I do. I was totally locked into my own thoughts. And I had to kind of like piecemeal all these things. So that's kind of the point is that it was like, well... I got to adopt some meditation here. I got to adopt some neural retraining too. like things like even skill development were still valuable to me. I'm going to try some of these treatments because I think there is a toxic component to it potentially for people. And if there is, you got to deal with that, right? Like, I mean, your mind rests on your body. So the fact that we all know that if we drink alcohol, it affects who we are. It can change our personality. Certainly. It can totally change the way we think. That's a chemical you're putting in your body. So that stuff does matter too. Like toxicity, that's one form of it. But if it's sort of chronic toxic load, yeah, that's gotta be dealt with too. It's all of that. And that's kind of the thing I put out with Rare Sense is I just hadn't seen anybody do it. One, I hadn't seen anybody lead human performance from a mental perspective. Standpoint, Which is where I think it is. Our whole life is a mental construct, right? Everything we experience is a mental construct. And yet, we think of human performance as a physical thing, which to me is upside down. It's a mental thing. Even the reason I go work out every day is, a, is mental, right? Like, the why of me going to the gym is a mental thing. It's not a physical thing. So I just hadn't seen that. And I think it, it's important. Like we have to start thinking of mind-body fitness, but it being led by our minds. I think that's the sort of the answer, so to speak. But I think it's also got to be holistic. And that's part of my beef with the way we look at both mental health and human performance these days. It feels very jury-rigged to some extent. It's like an outdated model that's kind of physical fitness with hacks and adjuncts stuck onto it. That hasn't been rethought. And that's kind of where I wanted to get to exactly what you're asking is what we all think for the most part. It's like, well, what was the thing? What was the the one thing? That's not how it works. It's like multiple things all working harmoniously together to get you there.
1: For sure. So you say rare sense is my attempt to share what I've learned with others However, I don't claim to have the ability to treat or cure anything, similar to what you're saying right now. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I have or, to
0: say that because I'm not a doctor. Right,
1: yeah, well, you go on to say I'm not a doctor or a psychiatrist. I, I simply assert to be a sufferer who's been down nearly every rabbit hole and tried almost any potential remedy over the last decade. I think that counts for something in the realm of credibility regarding the content I'm presenting here. So yeah. when did the idea of like consolidating what you had experimented with and putting it out to the public come into play? Yeah. Right?
0: so I had this kind of of nadir of my life, I suppose. It was three years ago. It was December 20th, 2019, where I was just like, I had been dealing with the pure mental, whatever you want to call it stuff kind of off and on for almost a decade. I've been dealing with the chronic illness stuff for five years. And like, I tried so much stuff and it was like, I just hadn't seen much in the way of progress. Excuse me. And you get to this point where you're like, I don't know, maybe I should just throwing the towel on this. It was a day where I'd gotten to the my absolute lowest point. I was like crying my eyes out and just so hopeless and I was curled in a ball on my kitchen floor in my wife's arms and I was like I got to end my life. Like I'm j- I mean, you know, I just don't know what else to do. And I got through that luckily. I mean, I obviously I didn't take that path, but I took this photo of myself. I just took a selfie on my phone. And I did that because it was like, I wanted to remind myself in the future, like whatever you're going through, it's not this bad. Like it was almost, I just wanted a photo my worst moment to kind of tell my future self, like, okay, it's not, it's not this bad. Right. And you made it through this day. And there were some things that I kind of learned in the wake of that. One was that I wasn't, broken in any, even everything that was going on with me, I still had moments where I was okay, where I felt okay, where I was happy. And what that indicated to me was there wasn't something that was like permanently broken. Cause if you think about like a broken limb, like a broken arm or broken leg, well, that's broken until it heals. It's not like you have a day where you wake up and you go, Oh, it's fine. I can go running or lift weights or something like that. It's just, it's broken. Right. So, but the fact that I could sort of Bounce in and out a little bit where it was like I could have a a lucid moments, even if they were small and happy moments, was like, okay, this is a software problem. This isn't a hardware problem. So there's got to be a solution to that. Right. And then even just sort of the fact that I'd been so emotional that day was also like, huh, I feel a little bit better because I was just like wailing, kind of crying. So I was like, well, there's something there too. A year later, I posted that picture on Instagram. And I did it again because the thought that went through my head was, okay, this isn't me talking about being in the military. This is me talking about the struggle afterwards. And if this stops one guy out there from, you know, taking his own life or or whatever, like if it just makes somebody rethink that, like you're not alone, like really not alone. It's one thing to just say you're not alone, but like here, here's me, right? At my worst moment, that's worth doing. And that's also. It has to be done in my mind. It was like, you know, if I don't do that, I'm sort of being a coward, quite frankly. So I, I did that. And again, I got a lot of support from it. And that just made me think, okay. And I was still kind of in this recovery thing, but it was, it was just like, I need to take stock of all this stuff I've done because I've just done a lot. And I think I can help people get to their own solution faster if I share some of that stuff. And it's not to say that my solutions are going to be the same as other people. I think there's a framework and that's what I'm trying to present of like how to approach this stuff, but it's a bespoke solution for each individual. It's just not going to be, you know, exactly what works for me in the right combos and, you know, putting the brew together, the concoction, the, (laughs) the healing concoction Isn't going to be the same for somebody else. Again, I liken so much of this to physical fitness. It's the same idea. Like two people can have the exact same workout regimen, and they're going to get different results slightly. Right? Like what really works for one person, or nutrition is an even better example. Some people, we fight about this now, right? It's like uh, you got the meat eaters and the vegans, and like you're wrong, and all this kind of stuff. And the reality is, it's different for different people. Some people. You got to figure it out for yourself. You have to do that. And it's just not a cookie cutter situation. And there's absolutely is the case that our minds are not cookie cutters. We, we know that we're all different, right? So the solution is going to be different. So anyway, it was kind of all that that made it something that I wanted to share because I thought it was important.
1: You just touched upon this, but you go on to say, all that being said, rare sense is not about me. We are far too concerned with our own recognition these days instead of advancing what we believe is right and useful. While credibility does matter... Good or bad advice can truly come from anyone, which means the person saying the words is largely irrelevant in most cases. Any concept should stand or fall on its inherent merits or lack thereof, regardless of who expresses it. Rare sense is no different in this regard. So talk to me about the I know you said you've had a I don't want to say it was a struggle, but you didn't want to talk. About your military career, more you wanted to talk about the fact that you did struggle with the mental struggles outside yep. of the military, and you talked about the specific day where you went on Instagram, and posted the photo where you were at your lowest. Was that difficult to show to the public the first oh, time? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, again, that's part of the reason why I think it's important to talk to you because at the end of the day, it was helpful, and it was helpful, I think, for other people too, and that's kind of the point I want to impress it upon folks is a lot of us come from a background of suck it up and suffer in silence. And again, that is a useful, that's not wrong. There's reasons why that is a good message at times for certain things in certain professions. Absolutely. But we've gotten to this place where I feel like the only answer sometimes that we're given is go harder, right? Just suck it up, go harder, get up earlier, do more, People from that are veterans or again, frontline workers or first responders or people, single parents working two jobs. I don't think their problem is grit. They work hard. These are hardworking people. It's not my problem. And that answer didn't help me from a mental health perspective. I don't even know how to do it. I don't know how to go harder, like with my mind, so to speak, in terms of fixing chronic anxiety. That doesn't make sense to me. I had to get other tools in place to do that. Right. So, yeah. Sorry. I've even forgotten what your original question was. <laughs>
1: no, no, I just asked essentially if it was difficult the first time to come out and say, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Is- Oh yeah.
0: Then, uh, yeah. So, I mean, again, um, yes, it, yes, it is. But like, you know, to me, that's, we have to have this conversation. It's not to put blame anywhere. That's not the point at all. This is not a blame thing. It doesn't even matter. Right. Like I don't even care about that. What I care about is people feeling like, they can talk about this stuff and work together to come up with solutions, right? Like that to me is what's what's important.
1: What does an ideal end game look like for rare sense? If you could, I don't know, call it a grade A, like where you see uh Rare Sense playing an impact. Like if you see an end game, what would it look like?
0: Well, it's funny. Yeah. I've actually had that in a different context. I had that question and I go back to the original intent, which is success is one person improving themselves, honestly, especially one person that may have had is like having suicidal ideation who changes their mind and doesn't do that and realizes that they have the power to get themselves out of wherever they are. You know, to me, that's, that's enough. It doesn't need to be more successful than that. I would love that to iterate and be the case for more people. But honestly, that's enough, man. Like that's that's enough.
1: Chris, our our motto here at, at O2X is, is 1% better every day. I usually sign off with every guest trying to get like their perspective on, on what a 1% change that you could make in your daily life would be. Is there anything that you do or you would suggest to the listeners that they can implement into daily life to increase performance, whether it's on the mental side or, or not on the mental side, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Well, like I said,
0: I think it's all on the mental side, right? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, anything you do, the only way you're experiencing it is through your mind. So for me, it's all mental. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff that I talk about that I think could Im- improve things. But let's start with, with the very first thing you do every day. And I would say when you get up, start to notice what you're thinking. When you do that, most people don't do that. And even people that adopt meditation practices, probably when they start, don't even focus on the fact that meditation is you're doing it so that you're more aware during regular life, right? Like I always tell people, you don't meditate to be, I'm not meditating to become a master meditator. I'm meditating because I want to make my life better and my awareness better. And my ability to notice my thoughts and not identify with them. So to me, a great practice is literally spending one to two minutes as soon as you wake up, like before your feet even hit the ground and just noticing where your head's at. Cause a lot of times you might find it's in a very unhelpful place, even if it's sort of passing silly thoughts, like, Oh, it's early. I don't want to get up right now. Or, you know, like, uh, why did I stay up last night? Right? Like those types of thoughts that are not, I don't like positive and negative in terms of categorizing thoughts. I really like saying helpful or unhelpful or useless and useful. I think that's a great place to start to get. And by the way, I will say it's not even 1% better every day. It's like point oh 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 one percent better. It can be that much. And I think, again, sometimes it is only going to be that much, but like those gains will accrue over time. That's the discipline.